God, we give you praise. Amen. Are you glad to be in his house? Yes, amen. Amen. I believe God wants to do something special in this place. Amen. I want to open my heart. Amen. I, I never want to allow, like your pastor was saying, a distraction to rob me from what God wants to do in my life. Amen. I don't want to allow not just distractions that maybe would happen during the service. And thank you for those men that took care of that before I was in the pulpit. Amen. It's hard to recover from a, a distraction like that. And, but even the distractions of your day, the distractions of things you have to do, distractions of what work holds for tomorrow. This is a holy house. It's a holy place. Amen. It is a place that is set apart in our lives unto God to worship Him together. And so when I come into this place, I don't want to bring those things. And I know this is kind of, I'm taking this word and using this maybe uh, not to describe something that is negative, but unholy things of this life. Things that are of the flesh, distractions, stresses, problems, responsibilities. I want to leave those things outside. I don't want to bring the unholiness of my life into the house of God. I want this time to be set apart. I want this time to be consecrated unto the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to leave work in the car. I'm going to leave responsibilities out in the car, except for your responsibility to worship. Amen. I want to leave my fleshly responsibilities outside. And I want to come and I want to focus on, amen, the goodness of God. I want to focus on what God wants to do in the house. Amen. Amen. This is His house, and I want to be involved with what He wants. Amen. When I understand that it's His house, there's some responsibilities I should have. There's some expectations of how to enter into His house. Amen. And I want to enter the right way without distractions, without things weighing upon me, with an open ear, with an open heart, saying, God, whatever you speak, I'm willing to obey it. Amen. I just don't, I don't want to be just a hearer, but I want to be a doer of the word also. Amen. I don't want to just to hear the word and it pass one in ear, one ear and out the other. But I want to be a doer of the word. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 5. We're going to be reading at verse 2 through verse 9. The Bible says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. If you're not good at math, that just simply means thirty-eight years. Amen. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. 
when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to preach for a little while on this thought. Stop waiting on troubled waters. Stop waiting on troubled waters. Could you reach your hands towards heaven? Could you ask God to bless you in the remainder of this service? God, we love you. Hallelujah, God, we've come in to give our all. God, to give our all in our attention, to give our all in worship, to give our all in response to your word. God, we want to give our all today. Lord, speak in this house and let us obey, Lord, your word. God, help us to be moved by the hand of God and the spirit of the Lord today, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're going to help the preacher preach tonight, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you for standing today. You may be seated. Bethesda was, as the Bible describes, a place that was filled with sick people. Filled with people that had problems. People that had circumstance. People that had been there, no doubt, for a long time as this man was. They had traveled from all over the countryside, no doubt, hearing about the power of this pool of Bethesda. The place by the pool was not a clean, pristine, wonderful place. You would think in your mind's eye, as the angel would move on the face of the water, that it must be a majestic place. It must be a beautiful, a beautiful place. But this would not be the place uh, that you would take a family member um, from out of town to, to show them this wonder of your city. It would not be the place where you would take a young lady on a date. Uh, for your first date, it was a place that was filled with sick folks. It filled with people that were imperfect. You can no doubt think uh, of even the the hospitals that we know and that we are involved with. The the uh, the certain smells and uh, and the certain sicknesses that are on display, and that is with a clean and sterile environment. But wonder what that place probably smelled like. That place was probably filthy where there were sick people laying around. And this man had laid here for so long. Uh, for 38 years, the Bible said he had been in this state. No long, uh, I don't know how long he had laid at that specific pool, uh, at that specific place, but he had been a long time in this state. And I could see in my mind's eye as maybe, uh, maybe those friends and family members that were close to him Maybe they would, uh, they would stay with him for a while and, and they would be the ones to try to get him up and say, hey, the water's moving, let's, let's go, let's get you some help. And I could see as time goes on and his situation never changes that finally, finally all of those friends and loved ones walk away and he's there all by himself. Uh, have you ever felt like that in life where it feels like everybody else has tried their best to help you but it just isn't taking the pain away. It's not fixing the problem and so you're laying there by yourself wondering when this is ever going to change. He saw time and time again as other people were healed. As other people's lives were changed as they made their way into the water. He felt like the water was his only answer. His whole life revolved around the water fixing his problem. 
The water being his one way out, his only way of escape from a life uh, uh, of sin, a life that was, that was marred by disease. But Jesus, when he approached him, he was not interested in all of the excuses. He was not interested in all of this, this man's ideals, but he simply asked the question. And he was asking a question of faith. Will you be made whole? He was asking him a deeper, a deeper question than just on the base service. But he was saying, will you look past your problems? Will you look past your circumstance? And will you have faith enough when I give you the commandment that you will be made whole? But this man had his excuses. He had all his excuses why he was not healed, why he was not delivered, why he was still dealing with the same sin that he had for so many years. Can I tell a saint of God, we have our excuses as to why we're not fixed and why we're still broken. Uh, that, the, the reasons why we're still dealing with that same old sin. Uh, the reasons why we're dealing with the same old circumstance. He said, sir, I don't have anybody. He was still thinking in the physical. He was still thinking that I don't have anybody to physically walk me to that water. Amen. It's time that you quit relying on other people to get you to your blessing. It's time that you quit waiting on somebody else's running the aisles to let your answer come. It's time that you stop waiting for your pastor to pray for you and you start doing something about your circumstance. Because if you wait on others, you might be in this same state this man was in for 38 years waiting on somebody to help fix his problem. It's time that you take action about your problems, about your circumstance. This man had no power to fix himself, to heal himself. you got to understand that you've been trying to fix a problem for a long time and you can't fix it. You don't have the power to take care of the mess. Only God is able. And Jesus had the ability to heal the man. But all the man had to do is have enough faith to stop looking at his circumstance, to stop looking at his inabilities uh, and see the healer that stood before him. Can I tell you, he was talking to the healer that was in the water. He was talking to the God who created the angel that would come and visit. He was the one who gave the appointment. He was the one who came. Amen. God simply gave him a commandment. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. I could see as that man's eyeballs were sopping sockets. He was saying, say What? You know, I'm, I, I'm lame, right? I, I can't pick up my bed. If I could, I wouldn't be here. It was almost like, have you ever been in a conversation, man, with your wife? And you kind of zone out. And you space out and you're thinking about golf. And you're thinking about, uh, you're thinking about buying another gun. And you just got other things on your mind. And all of a sudden, she asks a question that you should know the answer to. And you're waiting there with your mouth open agape, wondering how in the world am I supposed to answer this question because I didn't hear a lick of what she said. Jesus, Jesus uh, began to ask him a question and began to talk to him and give him commandment. And that man was like, did you not just hear everything I said? I don't have anybody to get me to the water. But you understand, Jesus was not interested in his excuses. Excuses are the means to keep you where you've always been. Excuses will keep you right where, amen, the enemy wants you. But when he speaks, he's not interested in your excuse. 
When he speaks, he's interested in your response. He's interested in if you're going to obey or not. If you're going to pick up that bed, whatever that bed of sin represents for you, whether it be depression, whether it be healing, whether it be sin cleansing power in the name of Jesus, you've got to pick up that bed. Amen. It's time to stop waiting on the troubling of the water. My pastor, he was very, very accessible and has always remained accessible. And our church numbers about, about 200 to 230, somewhere in there, at my home church. And, and you can tell with that many people, it, it would be a hard time. To, you wouldn't have much time to deal with everybody's problems. But he had always made himself very accessible. And finally he got to the place where he would simply ask them a question. When someone would come and say, Pastor, I need help with this. And Pastor, I- I've got a job situation. Pastor, I've got this and that. And he would just say, before I do anything, I want to ask you, have you prayed about it? Quit relying on your pastor to pray everything for you. It's time that you pray about it yourself. Amen. It's time instead of saying, Pastor, I've got this, that, and the other. Why don't you spend some time in prayer? Stop waiting on the troubling of the water. Stop waiting on the way that you think your answer should come. That man thought that his answer was going to come from that pool. But Jesus stepped in the scene and said, no, your answer is going to come the way that I want it to come. Amen. It's time to take action. I don't believe, I don't believe the healing took place until Jesus saw that man act in faith. Every time, every time, every miracle that Jesus performed, there was always an act of faith attached to it. And he always would answer them because of your faith. Or no such such great faith that I found in all of Israel. Because there was action. There was movement that went along with the faith. I believe this man began to stretch out his hand and said, You know what? What have I got to lose? I might as well just reach out for that bed. That bed that's carried me for so long. And why don't I try something different? Hey, if you've always done what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Hey, it's time to come to the house of God a little different. If you want to see your circumstance change, it's time to stretch forth your hand. It's time to reach out in faith. It's time to pick up your bed and walk in the name of Jesus. Matthew 14 and 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when it was evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. It is an interesting In the middle of your problem, you have a hard time recognizing who Jesus is. In the middle of your circumstance, you have a hard time realizing that Jesus uh, is wanting to touch you and Jesus is trying to speak to you. You'll identify him as something different. In the middle of your problem, if you're not careful, because of your circumstance, you'll misidentify Jesus. You'll misidentify his word that is coming through your pastor as just your pastor's opinion. Just what your pastor's ideals are. Amen. But I want to make sure I keep my mind clear. They cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. 
And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, I want you to take notice of that. The wind did not cease. The waves did not stop until Jesus got into the ship. And when they that were in the ship with him came, worshiping him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. I want you to think about Peter's circumstance. There's a lot of interesting things in the scripture we can take note of. They had a hard time identifying him. But once they had enough faith, Peter had enough faith to say, You know what? I'm willing to take action. I'm willing to do something about my circumstance. And Peter, it was not an easy thing. We think of a little rowboat. But the Bible says when he came down out of the ship, when he came down out of the ship, I can see as Peter made a step over the railing and he's holding on to the boat as he gets rocked in the air and his feet are off the ground. And finally his feet touch and he's not really sure yet. And finally he lets go in faith. You see, it was a big step of faith for Peter. He was a fisherman. He knew how to ride out the storm in a ship. You see, the ship was his comfort zone. He knew how to tie himself to the mast of the ship. He knew how to make sure. He knew how to bail water. He knew how to ride out the storm in the ship. Hey, if we're not careful, we'll get comfortable with our circumstance. We'll get comfortable with our problem. It'll become a part of who we are. And we get a little nervous. It'll become our comfort zone. It'll become our place where we're like, you know what, I would praise God, but that would mean me stepping out of this way that I've been for the last 10 years. This would mean letting go of this addiction that I've had for so long. This would mean letting go of this pride problem that I have. It would mean letting go of this bitterness that has become a comfort zone to me. Notice he was the only one that stepped out of the boat. And Peter had an experience with God. That nobody else did. Because he didn't stay in his comfort zone. You wonder why people get up and give testimonies about healing. It's because every once in a while they get out of their pew and they have an experience with Jesus. That someone that's just sitting in their pew didn't have. He got down out of the boat. He got out of his comfort zone. And he got to Jesus. But then he started looking at the waves. But can I tell you, even though the waves were there, he wasn't close enough to Jesus. That when he began to falter, God was right there and grabbed a hold of his hand. I'd rather risk the waves. I'd rather risk the sea. I'd rather risk the wind uh, than, than to stay in the boat and risk being in my comfort zone. He got out of his problem and got to where God was. Once he got to where he was and Jesus took him by the hand and there was a connection. There was an attention. He got God's attention and he He finally got a hold of him. And once he got a hold of him, he took him to his problem. Too many people want to sit in their problem and wait for Jesus to come to them. But Peter said, that's not how this works. That's not how we're going to get out of this. i got to get out of my problem. i got to get a hold of Jesus. And I've got to take him to my problem and say, God, fix this. The waves did not cease until Jesus stepped into Peter's problem. It's time for you to stop waiting around for God. 
It's time for you to stop waiting for God to change your circumstance and say, God, I'm willing to get a hold of you. I'm willing to get your attention. I'm willing to get a hold of your spirit, and I'm going to take you to the altar. I'm going to get you to where I need you. The Israelite army was camped in the valley, and there was a giant that was calling out and defying the armies of Israel and their God. I do not believe, I believe Veggie Tales got it wrong. I don't believe they were shaking and quaking their armor out of fear over one man. But I believe they were waiting on God to do something for them. I believe they remembered all the stories of old, how God opened the Red Sea. And God uh, provided manna. And God had, had, had knocked down the walls of Jericho. And all of these wonderful things that God had done for his people. And they were sitting on the hillside waiting for God. To do something about their problem. But David said, I'm not, I'm not going to wait. Is there not a cause? Is there not something worth fighting for? Hey, in your circumstance, isn't there something worth fighting for? Isn't your salvation worth fighting for? Hey, isn't those other people that are in the boat that are in your, attached to your problem, aren't they worth fighting for? Aren't they worth getting out of your problem and getting out of your comfort zone and saying, God, I'm willing to do something about this circumstance? David didn't wait. David took action. He didn't wait for the king to beg him and ask him for his help. He didn't wait for the pastor to beg him to an altar. He didn't wait for the praise leader to to play the same song over and over again until finally a tear streamed out. No, he took action about his circumstance. But what's wonderful about faith and about taking action is God will always meet you on the other side. He'll always meet you on the other side of your faith. He is the author, but he's also the finisher of your faith. He's the one who writes faith into our hearts. He's the one who tries to push us towards uh, towards faith. He is the one that gives each one of us the measure of faith. But he's also the finisher of our faith. Hey, when we step on the battlefield and he's already wrote that faith in my heart and I have faith that I can cling to, I know that he's going to finish what he started in my life. I don't believe David walked out there knowing exactly what was going to happen. I believe that David didn't have any idea what was going to happen. I, I don't, maybe that rock would fling out of that sling and bounce right off of Goliath's chest and then he would get squished to dust. And that's what holds so many of us back. What if? What if I get out of my seat and I go to an altar and nothing changes? What if I don't, what if I run the aisles and I make a fool out of myself and nothing, nothing breaks free in my life? He is the finisher of our faith. God will take the little faith that you do have and he'll multiply it. He'll grow it and he will let his spirit attach to it and he will fight your battle. Think about the four lepers. They're sitting on the outside of the gate of the city. They were under siege. They were losing money. They were losing food. They were losing. They were in a famine. They had cut off their supply chain. And they were under siege in the city. And a prophet said about this time tomorrow, such and such is going to happen. And there were four lepers that were on the outside of the city. They didn't know the conversation on the inside. But God began to move on them to do something about their circumstance. They said, if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go in the city, 
The famine is going to find us there and we're going to die also. And if we go over to the enemy camp, guess what? They may just slay us. But we can't just sit here and do nothing about our circumstance. Why sit here till we die? Hey, why do you want to sit on a pew uh, until your spiritual walk dies out? It's time that you get up off your seat of do nothing and do something about your circumstance. You say, Brother Boggs, well, I don't, I don't really fit in with the city. I don't really fit in with the church. I'm, I'm kind of an outskirts kind of person. I'm kind of an outcast. I'm kind of the one that's not really connected. That's who the four lepers were. They didn't fit in in the city. They didn't fit in in the enemy camp. They didn't fit in anywhere. But they said, why sit here lest we die? Why don't we do something about our problem? Hey, when you decide to move, God will move with you. The enemy didn't hear the sound of four leprous men that had skin and muscle rotting off their bones. The enemy doesn't hear the sounds of feeble saints that are barely scraping in. But when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus, the Lord lets the enemy hear the sound of a mighty host. And the enemy will turn tail and run. Can I tell you today, you can't sit there until you die. You've got to get up and you've got to move in the name of Jesus. You've got to understand God has what you need. It's not a 12-step program. God has what you need. It's not a new job. No, God has what you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. All the things that you think you need will be added unto it. But we get it twisted. We get it confused. We get it, we get it mixed up. We feel like, well, I'm going to get the job first and then I'll really live for God. I'm going to get my house paid off and I'm going I'm to get some things in order and then I'm really going to have time. This is the one that gets me. I'm going to wait until I retire and then I'm going to give God everything. And the retirement hits. And you have more time than you know what to do with. But still, still you sit in your same circumstance. God has what you need. And so you've got to get a hold of him. Jacob was in the middle of a circumstance. He, was, he had his family. He had his cattle, his, his sheep. And he knew that Esau was on his way to meet him with four, 400 men armed for battle ready to destroy him because of what he had done. And so he said, I've got I've to get alone with God. I think there's an important principle there. Sometimes in the middle of your circumstance, you need to shut the phone off. You need to shut the internet off. You need to shut off the news feed. You need to shut out Facebook. And you need to say, God, in the middle of this problem, I need an answer and I need a touch. And I've got to get away from everything. And I've got to get a hold of you. But what is so important in the story of Jacob is when the Spirit of God, that theophany of Christ, that that angel of the Lord, grabs a hold of Jacob. So many times we walk in the house of God and God's Spirit grabs a hold of us. And we go, oh, man, isn't that so wonderful? I feel His presence. I feel His Spirit. And we, we we just are okay with the feeling. We're okay with just a moment of euphoria and a moment where goosebumps go up and down our spine. And then it's a fleeting moment, but nothing changes. 
But what Jacob did is right when he felt the presence of God, he turned himself about and he got a hold of the Spirit of God. And that's what we got to do if we're going to find our way out of our problems. Is when God moves, it's an opportunity for you to catch hold of God and say, God, now that I've got you, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Now that the Spirit of God has washed into the house, I'm not going to let go until you bless my family, until you bless my church, until you bless my generation. I'm not going to let go until you give me an answer. What you're waiting on to fix you isn't going, is not the answer you're looking for. The only thing that will fix your problem is Jesus. The only thing that will fix your problem is a renewing in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost will make you walk right. It'll make you talk right. It'll make you think right. It'll make you live right. And it'll make you feel right. Hey, if you don't feel right, you just need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You need another touch of God today. Saying of God, you don't need a new car. You don't need more money. You don't need a new job. What you need is a renewing of the Holy Ghost. What you need is another touch of God's Spirit. What you need is a new old, an old-fashioned repenting in the altar and a renewing of God's Spirit in your life. If we're going to get through our problem, we've got to learn to push. We've got to learn to be forceful. The Bible says the violent take it by force. That word violent is translated into the intentional. Those that have intent will take it by force. Those that will, the violent, those that are intentional, those that have a, have a goal that they're reaching for, they will take it by force. By force. But it doesn't say those that are relaxed and just sitting on a pew are going to get what they need from God. No, but it's those that are intentional, those that are pressing. We've got to push. I want to take that as an acronym today. We've got to pray until something happens. God, I don't know what I'm going to do about my problem. You get down on your knees and you pray until something changes. You pray until something happens. And if it doesn't happen that first time you get on your knees, you get down on your knees again and you just keep on praying. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. But not only that, we've got to praise until something happens. We've got to praise until something changes. Well, I can't feel God. I'm lifting my hands. You just keep on praising. You keep on pushing until you feel His Spirit. I heard one person say, well, what do you do when you don't feel God? And that person's answer was this, you fake it. No, no, no. You don't fake it. When you don't feel His presence, you force it. You force your worship. You force your praise. You don't praise God because you feel Him. And if, and if you don't feel Him, you don't praise Him. No, you praise Him until you feel Him. God, it bothers me that I don't feel your spirit. And then there's other people responding. I'm going to praise you until I can feel you. I'm going to praise you until my situation changes. I'm going to praise you until something breaks in my life. But this is one that we have a hard time with. Jacob got a hold of God's spirit. And God, he wanted God to do something about his circumstance. But God did not change Jacob's circumstance. God changed Jacob. Maybe God is trying to change you in the midst of all this. 
Because when he walked out on that field to meet Esau, he was no longer a deceiver. He was no longer a heel grabber. But God had changed him, had changed his identity, and he walked out being a prince with God and man. And when Esau understood that, that this is not Jacob any longer, they fell on their knees and they began to worship, they began to hug, they began to embrace. Can I tell you, let God change you in the midst of your problem. Well, you're waiting on God to fix, God's waiting on you to get fixed. God's waiting on you to step out of your circumstance. Brother Boggs, we're not having revival. We've been promised revival. Then you praise until you have revival. You pray until you have revival. You pray until you see an influx of souls that you've been promised. You pray. Hey, we, we understood it. When we were singing for the Holy Ghost, we had to pray until we spoke in tongues. Then why don't we understand it today? We've got to pray until God changes our circumstance we got to pray until the Holy Spirit of God, amen, knocks the giant down flat on the ground before us. Amen. we got to quit waiting on God. But it's time for us to move. It's time for us to get a hold of Him. It's time to, for us to stop making excuses. It's time for us to stop waiting on revival to be dropped into our laps. But it's time for us to pursue revival. And just use what we've got. Quit waiting on that one that will turn the church on its ears. Quit waiting for that one to pray through that's going to win thousands of souls. You just use what you have. And you use it with all your might. Complacency is a killer of many an apostolic church. Church, we cannot, we cannot afford to grow complacent. Saint of God, you cannot afford... To grow complacent. To where we just come in the same old way every single service. And we go through the same old set of motions every service. Any of you hunters know this. A moving target is harder to hit than one that is standing still. The enemy's attacks will grow less effective the more you are busy doing something for God. The more you're busy pursuing Him. The more you're busy reaching out. The more you're busy praising and praying and doing something about your circumstance. We cannot grow complacent. Water that does not move becomes oxygen deficient. Which is a condition that bacteria and parasites thrive in. It's a wonder that the Bible says if you have breath. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of people that are oxygen deficient that sit on apostolic pews. But those that are oxygen deficient, it is a condition that bacteria and parasites thrive in. Malaria and other diseases that are carried by mosquitoes also transfer to water that is stagnant. Saint of God, if you get accustomed to not moving when God moves, you're setting yourself up for things to begin to grow and attach to you. You wonder, I didn't have this lust problem before. Why am I dealing with it now? How long has it been since you responded to the Holy Ghost? I didn't have this crisis in my life before. What changed? Maybe you stopped praising like you ought to. Maybe you become a stagnant individual. But you've got to move when God moves. 
When someone starts to make their descent into a backslidden state, the first indicator is they stop. They stop worshiping. They stop praying. They become stagnant. They stand in their pew. They look like they want to get through the service and go home. Church, amen, is about other people. The message is for somebody else. But it's time that we shake ourselves, saints of God, and say, I cannot grow complacent. I cannot become stagnant. I cannot allow the things of this life to stop a forward motion in my world. You've got to move. You've got, you've got to move in spite of your circumstance. You've got to get off the porch. You've got to get off the porch. I know this is a simple example, but you can, you can hope and pray that that grass that is knee high in your front yard gets mowed all by itself. You can hope and pray that God will do something about it. That maybe a young man would come by and you can just give him $2 and he would mow it for you. But the, the yard is never going to get mowed if you just stay sitting on the porch. But it takes some action. It takes you going out to the shed. It takes some action of putting some gasoline in and pushing that little bubble and priming that motor and pulling on that string until either your shoulder cuff gives out or that string gives out. But you've got to take action. There's nothing, there's no power, there's no healing. There's no deliverance. There's no victory sitting on the porch. That man laid there for 38 years on that porch. Or for a long time. Maybe not the full 38 years, but no doubt for a long time. He laid on that porch and his circumstance had not changed. It's time for you to get off the porch. And quit making excuses with God. While you're still not fixed. He said, is there not a balm in Gilead? Is there not a physician there? Then why are my people still sick? Why are my people still dealing with the same problems? The rhetorical answer was, yes, there is a balm in Gilead. Yes, there is a physician there. Gilead was a valley that was known for the, the herbs and the, and, the, and the plants that would grow there that had healing properties in them. He was asking them a rhetorical, is there not? Is there not a healer? Is there not a balm in Gilead? God's here and he's able. But you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to stop waiting. You've got to stop waiting. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting to make more money? Are you waiting until God accepts the way that you are? Can I just tell you, God's not going to accept sin. God's not going to accept living in a life that's contrary to Him. Are you waiting until you feel better? Are you waiting until you deal with the problem yourself? You've got to let God touch you. You've got to be willing to get off the porch. I want you to hear this today. You've got to be willing to get off the porch and change your influences and associations. Stop sitting on the porch with people that are in the same condition you are. Say, God, I'm ready to get rid of relationships if they're holding me back. And I want to answer the call of Jesus. I want God to change me. I want God to move in my life. Are you ready to start moving towards Him? 
Are you ready for a victory in your life? Are you ready for revival that God has promised? Are you ready to ignite your faith? You've got to say, God, I'm going to search you until I find you. I'm going to seek for you with all of my heart until either I change or my circumstance changes. But I'm not going to sit here any longer. I know this one's going to hurt. But it helps someone move. You've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And you've got to get off the porch. The Bible even says weeping endures for a night. But there should be a transition from weeping to joy. There should be a moment that, hey, weeping's endured for a long time. But, hey, it should be changed into joy. There should be a change in your life. You've got to get a hold of him. You've got to take him to your problem. And say, God, you've got to change either me or you've got to change my circumstance. Because I'm tired of sitting here in the same old problem. You've got to get tired of sitting in the stink. If you've ever dealt with sewer issues, I had the pleasure of being in South Carolina, and the pastor had an RV park where I was staying, and he was out of town, and his wife was the only one there. Well, he had a a daughter and a son-in-law, but the son-in-law wasn't going to do anything. And I had to be the one, the candidate, that went shoulder deep into a sewer system and began to pull things out. It wasn't good. It was disgusting. But some people live their life saying, you know what, it's okay. My hand's still not in the sewer. But you've got to allow God to change you, wash you. Guess what? That shirt that I was wearing, I didn't wear no more. Them shoes that I had, I didn't wear no more. There was some changing. Some people, they say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sinning like I used to, but still, you haven't let God change you. You haven't let God work on you. You've got you've to let God change you today. You're waiting on God, but God's waiting on you. You're waiting on Him, but you're still sitting in the same old problem but it's time you get to where God is and you get his attention and you bring him to your problem my daughters have especially Addison she has a way of calling out she has a way of saying daddy 17,000 times in a row and finally she gets my attention but there's a difference between her just saying, Daddy, I want to show you this doll and what I did with her hair. There's a difference between that and the daddy she screams out when her fingers shut in the door. It's instant. She doesn't have to say it twice. I know I need to be there. God knows the difference in your response. And saying, well, God, I love you and I need you. Yeah, you're going to have to say that about 17,000 times to get his attention. But if you're really desperate, if you really want your circumstance to change, your response is going to get his attention. I want to ask you today, how bad do you want off the porch? How bad do you want the storm to cease? How bad do you want it today? It's going to be your response that dictates if it's going to take place or not. I want her all across this place if we could stand.
I'm finished preaching. And I wish if there was a physical way that I could get up right where you are and I could get in your pew next to you and I could crawl on my stomach up to this altar for you, for your circumstance to change, I'd do it. I'd do it for every single person in this place. I'd crawl on my, all around this church until my shirt was frayed and my tie was frayed. But I can't do it for you. And your pastor can't do it for you. And your neighbor can't do it for you. You've got to do it for yourself. You've got to get a hold of Jesus. I just have a feeling that those other people in the boat, Brother Mullings, they kind of like the drama of the boat rocking. They kind of like the problems. You've got to get out of the midst of all the mess. You've got, to quit, you've got to quit focusing on the drama and letting it worry you, letting it stress you out. and let, quit, quit getting excited about the problems making you upset. Get out of where you are and get to where He is today. Stop waiting on the way you think your answer should come and get to Jesus and say, God, I will be made whole today because I'm going to come in the right manner. I'm going to come with faith today. I wonder all across this place if you can make your way to this altar as Sister Mullings begins to sing. Come on, can we spend a few moments in prayer today? Can we spend a few moments crying out to Jesus? Crying out with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Hallelujah. Come on, let God change you. Let God change your circumstance. Come on, reach out. Come on, catch a hold of his garment today. Come on, cry out like blind man of And cry out all the more. Jesus, have mercy on me. God, I need you to change my circumstance. I need you to change me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let God help you today. Come on, let God help you today.